Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Obviously, we were doing well with Cork City and I was playing well and everybody was playing well, so it was great. Yeah. And then some clubs started to come to watch watch my games and stuff. And so kind of eventually it was either Brighton or Hull. So I went over to see Brighton. It was it was lovely. Um, but the manager was Sammy Hoopia. He never called me in and said, oh, this is why you're si- we're signing you. I want you to do this, this and this. It just didn't happen. Whereas when I went to Hull, I met Steve Bruce and he was talking to me and saying they really want me to sign and kind of so it was that personal connection exactly yeah so yeah. That, that's what kind of made my decision for me um, they were Premier League at the time they were, as well. yeah Premier League um, so I started in training with them and I was doing quite well I think Ireland had like a short Seamus Coleman and a couple other players were injured so I got called up to the senior team um, what was it like uh, training with the Irish team unbelievable it was, was it? weird like players like Robbie Keane Shane Long Roy Keane obviously being there, Martin O'Neill. Because a few months earlier I was playing against Bray away or whatever and yeah. now I was up with the Irish team. So that was a, gr- a great week. Does Roy Keane, um, and you don't have to answer this if you want that, does he treat the cockfellas better than the rest? I think he does. I think that's in his nature. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he, lo- he loves people from Cork. Yeah. Uh, especially the north side. Yeah. Um, He's welcome on the podcast, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always looked up to Roy Keane yeah. as oh. a player. He was always he. I was a very, very similar player to him, you know. Um, tough, really, really passionate about the game. You probably see it in my face, the yeah, evening, you know. know. But I just love his my favorite. Yeah, there Ron as this jersey on. Yeah. Well, he was my f- most favorite player in the Premiership. Yeah, you know, uh, ever I'd say, and I just loved watching him. Not just because he was from Cork, it's because he really the fans loved him. He was a, a tough player. He always done the right thing, and he was always there. And he threw a few f's as well at the other fucking yeah. Yeah. players that were just pussyfooting. That around, one, um, you know, him and Vieira in the tunnel. Yeah, that one, yeah. that's brilliant. That wouldn't happen today. They'd both be sent off. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> banned. I'd yeah, say. you know when he was at his peak as well. You know he was playing in the Champions, the great United team. Now as well, like yeah. he was the leader, but playing against the likes of Zidane and Rivaldo, Luis Figo, Ronaldo, and Keane. Like you know, he'd be man of the match in he'd games still like stand that. Like, yeah. yeah, and he's from Mayfield, and it was yeah. like Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it, we can all be fucking. We, it's all there for us too. He's only from you know. He's from the same city as us. Do you know. Mm-hmm. You'd have to love the the other side of him as well, even 
the commentating at the moment. Brilliant. He is yeah. straight up there. He's cut yeah. He's yeah. hell That's what people need. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. why you all everyone's delighted with him on Sky is because yeah. he's so brutally honest. Yeah. And no one can question him because if someone questions him, is it? I've got seven Premier League titles. I have a Champions League. I've four FA Cups. I've this. Yeah. I've that. Who are yeah. you to question me? Yeah. Whereas it's like you yeah. know sometimes, um, and I like Richie Sadlio on RT. I like Richie mm. Sadlio, but sometimes he gets trolled online. He gets a bit of hate online because his career was cut short through injuries. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he makes very valid points. But some people throw it in his face, you know. But you know what, Raikeen, doesn't matter what he says. He's been there, done it. He was in the best team in the world. He was one of the best midfielders in Premier League history. So everything he says, he says with authority because he can, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's great then because half the other fellas on Sky Sports are afraid of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are actually. Yeah. It's, uh, half of them are terrified in case he goes off and run, you know. But look, uh, we digress a small bit. So you, you went off the hull. What was it like? Was it a big step up from League of Ireland? It was, to be honest. Like the training was was a lot quicker. And, you know, people who know or play football know what boxes are. It's basically you're around in kind of a, a circle or whatever, and there's two people in the middle, and you have to keep the ball away from them. I was terrible. Like I thought I was good at Cork City, which I was, but went to Hull. Then it was just yeah. just really difficult. But eventually, I settled in and went unknown to Blackpool. Played two games for them and got injured for the first time. I injured my knee. Um, so then I came back to Holland and I was out for about a year. What kind of an injury did you get? Uh, my patella tendon. Okay. Um, That's behind the kneecap. Yeah. Um, so then I got back fit from that. Started playing a lot of games with the under-23s. And then I, I made my debut for Hull against Bolton in the championship. Um, and then two days after that, I played in the under-21 Premier League Cup final against West Ham. And I injured my knee in the first half, but I didn't really know it was injured. Same knee? Same knee. So I played all of the game, played extra time and took a penalty, all with my knee in pieces. But I didn't notice. Adrenaline was keeping Yeah, you. the next morning I woke up, my knee was about that size. So I went into training. Just after making my debut, things were going to go well. Um, and then bang, this happened. So it was kind of another big thing to deal with. Do you know, like when you're 20, 21 and you're over in England, Bahal, um, and then you're out for a year, like I'd say it's very... Um, frustrating uh, isolating so isolating obviously the physios are brilliant and they're well trained not only to treat you physically but manage you mentally as well yeah um, and lots of people tried with me but my mental health was was fairly bad like you know for the, the first injury yeah. was it bad for that as well no no the first injury was like look this is just after happening it can happen to anyone I'll get back stronger which mm. I did then it happened again two days after making my debut Um. Uh, you know what's ahead then again like I'd, yeah it was kind of got, got back fit from that injury then and they were, we were relegated to the championship so I was like this is my year I'm going to play so I played every single pre-season game and then before I played Aston Villa the manager dropped me um, for what reason I don't know but it was it Steve Bruce at the time no no uh, the Russian manager oh okay. Um check who that manager was right? Leonid Slutsky <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was at CSKA Moscow for years, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he didn't like me, and I didn't particularly like him either. It was kind of after that that my mental health kind of deteriorated, and I was contemplating suicide. And were you on your own over there? No, Bailey was living with me at this point. So I'd say it was tough for her too. Oh, so hard. What I put her through was just mm. criminal, and my my family as well. Um, but like, you know that wasn't your fault, then as well. Like, do you know, like. 
yeah, I, I done the same stuff to my own wife and my own family, like my own mental health. You know, we act in ways that we don't understand. You know, you're, yeah. not, you're not thinking rationally. Yeah. Like, you know? I think I have a lot more understanding of it now yeah. since the help I got since I came back to Cork. I'm in St Finbar's Hospital, and I've a key worker. I've a nurse, doctor, psychiatrist, social worker, all helping me to to get where I need to be. Because yeah. what my GP said to me, I just went into him and I said, I can't understand why I can't be normal. He said to me, he was like, when what happened happened, there was a fire in your brain. Like that fire is out, but the earth is still scorched. I thought that was a really apt way of putting mm, it for that's him. That's a brilliant way for me to understand. Yeah, that's unbelievable way to put it. Yeah. But once you've um, scorched earth, you can get fertile earth all. Exactly. Right? It'll come in go stronger. Farmers yeah. burn fields to create. Mm. Yeah. So he put it like that to me and I kind of went, well, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. There's no fire, but there's damage. And it's not completely destroyed, like? No, there's, there, no. there's a way back. Do you know when the second knee injury happened? Was the exact same injury? No, it wasn't. I, the second injury, I tore my chondral surface, which is like a cartilage. It's really, really delicate. So it, like, tears up. And they just go in and snip it and clean it up. Uh, but it doesn't actually regenerate or fix itself. Mm. So I still have trouble with my knee now on a daily basis. But yeah. it's, I'm, not, I'm not training or playing or anything, so it's not too bad. Do you know when the second injury happened here? Did you make a like were you out for a long time again? Uh, nine months this time. Is, was that a career ending? No, neither of them were career ending. Oh. They're just career. They affected your mental exactly. health. Exactly, affected my mental health. Affected my my um, progress as a player. Yeah. Because like when I went there, when I was nineteen, when I was doing well, I was the good young player. But by the time I got back to it, was good young players, two, three years younger than me. Mm. So I was never really in the picture to, mm. to play. So probably your your best developmental years you probably missed, you know, in yeah. the couple of years where like you you really grown your game, do you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um do you know the second injury then that's when mental health kind of went down. After that, yeah, it was kinda of went down and then I got back fit and I was playing well so I was happy mm. and I thought I was gonna play. And then that new manager came in and played me for every preseason game and then just Chuck me to the side. So. And what happened then? Were you stuck in the reserves? Or? No, I wasn't even playing with the reserves. I was just training. Just training every day, but not playing. Isn't it amazing how, how uh, a relationship between a player and a manager can actually affect how a team plays? Like, Absolutely. Like, the, instead of just taking your relationship away from the situation, from managers, and just looking at the player as in, he should be playing, he's one of the top, mm. he's one of the eleven. And just playing instead of just you know, being nasty about it. Yeah. Do you know what? No, I don't yeah. need this fella here. Or he's going on the bench. It's true. It just shows as well how important man management is. Yeah, you know, and like yeah, yeah. yeah, manage your players. Like the a good few players that was at United, they said the best thing about Alex Ferguson wasn't the tactics or anything like that. It was he knew every player in the club. He knew their mother's name. He knew their grandmother's name. And even if you were dropped, he'd make you feel like fucking mm. Hercules like yeah. Rooney said to him Rooney said in a few interviews like if I wasn't playing and I was being rotated or rested or whatever I'd still I'd still feel like I'm doing a big thing for the team because mm. he'd have managed me do you know what I mean mm. and that and, but some managers don't do that well and players can become isolated and fall out of love with the game and I'd say you can easily fall out of love with the game when you're on the bench
just playing football daily because it's all you knew yeah. in the flats complex. You would have a football after school. The first thing you want to do is play football. Mm. Last thing I know, you'd be getting dragged in. Mm. You still want to play football. Oh, you know what I mean? To be so. I was, yeah, I was, yeah. I could still kick a ball now. Did you play for the team? I played for St. Anthony's uh, as a schoolboy from about 10 to about 15. And we literally we literally won everything. We we, we good ballers. One of, one of them up front was uh, Christy Fagan. He yeah. ended up going to Manchester United. Yeah. And then he ended up back with St. Pat's yeah. and Bowles just only a few years ago. Yeah. And he retired. He's actually doing a physio now at the moment. And my friend Glenn, who grew up with me in Henrietta Street, me and him was... We done everything together. Yeah. He was on the left side, I was on the right side of the front, get those up top. But yeah, we won everything through the schoolboys. And schoolboys in Dublin is very competitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You've it, got Kevin's boys, St. Joseph's boys, you've got the, the, the Terry Archer was the big some, team back some, in the day, I some suppose. Some good teams. Yeah, yeah. Wefta was another one. Yeah. yeah, and then that team broke up then, and then <clears throat> we split up. Gitta went to home farm, and me and Glenn went up to Bowles, and yeah, Bowles was. With a good squad, but home farm was just unbelievable. We, mm. we bumped into Gitta in the league, and it was just like. Beating three and four and they were they they, they were oh, yeah. top class boys like. Yeah. Do you know what we have we have a problem here and I'm say it's the same above in Dublin. Do you know a lot of our talented sports stars like footballers or boxers and stuff from fifty they go up as far as fourteen, mm. fifteen and it just like it stops yeah. because of alcohol and drugs come into their lives and yeah. they lose their their motivation and inspiration to go on and, and and get See, involved in the sport. talent is only half the battle. You know, when you have a lot of obstacles yeah. in your way. You need that discipline, don't you? You, you do, but mm. you also need a bit of luck. Yeah. And like if, let's say, if you're um, a talented soccer player and you're from Nakhnaini, mm. so that's where we're from, and you're a talented soccer player and you're from oh, where, where Spike lives, you know, with the big houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but as an example, like, you know, you're less likely to be exposed to criminality, to drug use, to trauma mm. and addiction and violence and all that stuff. But when you grew up in a, in, in a, in a state where you are, you have the talent, you have all these distractions yeah. as well. You might be in a home where you, there's only your mum there and she's trying to look after four kids or maybe your dad is in prison or there's mental health issues in the home and stuff like that. So... Young people from certain areas have a lot more challenges than others. Million percent, and and, and what Timmy said before he finished the sentence, I knew I knew yeah, he was going to say. Had someone in your head, like. absolutely, because yeah. I've I've been that, and I say that nowadays. You know what I mean? And especially through the boxing and through mm. the football, you see it, you see it daily, man. You know what I mean? Kids coming through the best of talent, and then just within them three or four years, it yeah. goes pear shaped for them. You're like, what happened there? You know what I mean? Mm. One guy up top of my mind, I, I won't name him. He, I'll call him the Yank. That's that, that's his nickname as a boxer. He'll know. And he's he's won literally everything. Yeah, he, he went into like the senior championships at like 17, 18, and he was beating guys 25 and 6. Yeah, and he was just top of the range, travelled all over the world with the Irish squad, boxed the best of the Cubans, you name it. And when he went 22, 23, got caught up, went to a 24th party, got caught up on the coke, and one thing led to another. Now I still see him, he's 35, he's still yap all the time, he's tried to get back into that a number of times, but couldn't, but... Like if he'd have stayed on him and his career, he'd be so different. His yeah. life be so different there, to what it is now. Like there was a couple of friends. Unbelievable. Oh, there was a couple of friends of ours from our area: Johnny Keneally, Stephen yeah. Manny, Good boxes, Spike. Yeah. There was probably a far two back in the day, Spike. Yeah. But they were very talented, and then they went down with a bit of a different, a tough path. They're good now today, thank God. Mm. Do you mm. know what I mean? But do you think like what could have been? I know Manny box for Ireland as well. Like so, um, yeah. do you know um, even the soccer, even some some fantastic good soccer, soccer as well. Yeah. I know, I know. Like the, we, there's a, one young friend in particular there. Like he went, he was about thirteen, fourteen, going over to 
some of the big clubs in in, in right. um, not just England but also in um, in Scotland and Celtic. You know, going away and getting stoned the night before you're getting on a plane to go over and go on trials and stuff and um, there was a, a lot of young lads as well would have went over and they got homesick you know and came home and they were gifted and they just came home and they, they just kind of lost interest in because they knew that they couldn't be over there and and fulfill what they had their dreams you know because their mammy the irish mammy was back here you know how that is like and um it's it's a terrible thing to see isn't it it is and what james says sometimes you need that discipline like sometimes you you, you see you, you see kids that probably aren't as talented as others but mm. they stay in it and, mm. and a couple of years later they're actually doing very well or they're doing and you're like Jesus man that fella was like twice the player he was or twice the fighter he was right. and he didn't make it but the difference is that little bit of discipline mm. that little bit yeah. of being grounded and staying in the gym and doing your thing where the other fella then like you said mm. messing around beforehand thinking I'll do it next week the next week and then before you know it the years just go by you know what I mean you were obstacles in your way as well in terms of you started dabbling with the drugs and stuff in your teenage years what was going on for around that time and how did that come about? Yeah, well, I would have started boxing. I would have been brought down to the boxing gym by my father when I was eight years of age. That was in like 98 or so. And I would have stayed boxing and I would have had an amateur career of probably 80 or 90 fights up until I was 15 or 16. And then I just start. I was panning in the flats with the crowd, <clears throat> not wanting to go training. I mean, my dad would be like, we're training a half six. I'd be like, yeah. I'd be showing up the house, he'd be coming around, looking for me, I'd be hiding around the block, I'd be hearing him shouting for me, I'd be like, damn, I'm not here to the lads, you know? Mm. Knowing I'm not going to go train, I'd go back at nine o'clock, there'd be killings in the house, but you'd still do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So as time went on, I drifted away from it a little bit. I started wanting to be one of the boys, I wanted to be in the flats, I wanted to be involved and everything. And it's just, it's just part of the ground up as well, I suppose, yeah. you know what I mean? But yeah, we, we started messing around the flats, we started drinking, probably smoking a bit of blow. Mm. Then one thing led to like sleeping pills. Mm. And there was a there was a group was there's probably torches in the flats, but there was a group of four or five that would would take a few sleeping pills and a bit of blow and go off and do a bit of robbing and stroking and mm. kind of stage where we'd be out. I was like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. We'd be out from early morning, out just out and about, just run through the streets. It's mad what the tablets do. Yeah, yeah. Like. Yeah. What, what the, the sleeping pills and mm. the the relaxers? What they do? You don't give a shit. You don't. Full of confidence. You just you just do it. Yeah. When when you're young, when you're that young as well. There's there's something about that age where you haven't got a worry in the world and you do whatever you want to do. You actually don't yeah. care about no one. Yeah. And it's everybody everybody has the best intentions for you. Yeah. And the best advice for you like, I understand, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You're and still you're gonna just, do what yeah. you want to do, aren't you? You're taking tablets. You don't you don't realise when that you're so loud when you're on them and you're mm. full of confidence and all it's only when you're a little bit sober the next day that you realise, Jeez, that was that wasn't me, you know. Did it cause trouble for you at home then? Yeah, because I liked that change. I would have had a great upbringing. Yeah. <clears throat> my dad, my dad provided us with everything. My ma was great. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we, we we would have had a great upbringing, but it was just it was just I didn't want to listen. You know what I mean? Now I had a brother, Clint, who he was he was in addiction. He's still in addiction. He's forty three now. He would have been he would have been on hard drugs, and that would have been in the family home. You know what I mean? So. It's probably in hindsight that Clint was on it because I didn't, I knew the consequences then mm. if I ever touched heroin or whatever it be, you know what I mean? Because later on I end up in prison and stuff and you'd see all that around you. Yeah. And I never, I never went near that, thankfully, you know what I mean? Because, probably because I've seen the damages I'd done to yeah. my brother mm. and what was going on in the house, you know what I mean? But probably with him being on, on drugs, it probably took the eyes off me a little bit, mm. as in the sense I was able to run that little bit 
freer on wood, if that makes sense. You bring up a good point there as well. Like, it's, you don't always have to come from a broken home to end mm. up in addiction. Mm. You know, some people like have two solid parents, a stable mm. background, and they don't have the poverty and the mental health and stuff like that. But the, the, the child can still end up taking drugs and getting involved yeah. in stuff mm. because they spend a lot of the time outside the home, especially when they come into their teenage years, you know, yeah. and hanging around the streets. And then when you're exposed to all that, and then it's like That's peer a, pressure and yeah. stuff. That's a great point because sometimes it might be just maybe that child lacks a bit of self-esteem or a bit of confidence, you know, or they just don't seem to fit in to a pair group and Mm. pair group that they do fit into then are the lads, you know, and and then in order to fit into that group, you have to take this, you have to do that, you know, to the boys to respect you. It's it's a tough, tough period of of life, you know. I I remember even even coming across ecstasy as a young child and, and, and what it done for me, the way it made me feel, it definitely, definitely helped me to, to cope with, with, with the, the issues that were going on in my own life back then, you know, and um, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. It makes a lot of sense today why somebody would use something to get through that part of a life. Like when yeah. we get older, people use prescribed meds to, to be able to cope with their mental health today. Back then, there's none of that. We, we use stuff like that as and, well. Like, as well, drop, when young fellas drop out of school, yeah. you know, the boredom as well, yeah. and the monotony mm. of getting up and not having nothing to do, the yeah. drugs, mm. they kill the time as well. Yeah. Well, where was your school? <clears throat> I was never great in school. I was, uh, so I would have left, prim- left secondary school when I was 14 years of age. I remember because we joined the local FOSS up on Henrietta Street, and it'd be 15 to join there. And I remember they took me a week or two before my 15th birthday. So I would have fell out of school. I didn't know junior certain school. I would have done one or two subjects. We're in the first place I was in. I was doing a uh, catering up there. So I was doing the, the chefing up there. And I was there till I was about 18 or 19, probably 20. I still have a good relationship with some of the people up there, some of the workers that come and support me in my fights and that nowadays. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was there for a number of years. So uh, no, school, school wasn't something for me. And even when I was in school, I was always suspended or sitting outside of my own or mm. from not being involved in the class and there was a group was there was actually you actually had one of them on your podcast uh paddy higgins oh paddy yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i listened to paddy's joke it was great to hear it was great to hear about him i play yeah. football now and again with his brother i always ask how he is so you know paddy, fellandy gentleman great great singer as well great on the guitar wasn't he brilliant, brilliant singer <coughs> we got so many requests from people looking to buy his cd mm. but he doesn't have a cd to, to, right. to sell but when he gets out, maybe yeah. he will. And you know, when uh, when he commanded the podcast, Christy Moore wrote him a letter and sent it to oh, him. Oh, yeah. You can imagine Amazing, the books that would have given him. Super, lads. Uh, great raspy voice. Yeah. Uh, because obviously, I, I, I listen to his podcast. I listen to a good few of them. And I see Paddy's name. I was like, Paddy? And I listen to it. Like, Fucking deadly. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Paddy would have been in my class. And they would have yeah. been like, oh, 20, 25. It would have been four or five of us that'd be all together. Yeah. And that just got me thinking as well. Because there's Paddy. I was in prison, there's me, who yeah. I'm doing okay now, but I was, one of the guys died in a car crash from a robbed car, yeah. and then the other one I thought was doing okay, thankfully, but yeah. yeah, probably probably from not putting the head down through school, it probably leaded me to be a bit wild then on the yeah. on the streets then as well, you know what I mean? You ended up in St. Patrick's? Yeah, so uh, when, when I wasn't going boxing, I was out, as I said, running the muck, we were getting involved in crime, robbing, stealing, and we were getting charges, and eventually I ended up in St. Patrick's. I was about 16 or 17. Uh, I ended up there twice, one for four months, one for six months. And then, yeah, and then I got my last prison sentence. 
I end up Mountjoy when I was uh, 20. He was cock, Celtic or cock. Yeah, when they grew up, it was him and Celtic, but they, yeah, there was two teams in it. It was brilliant. It was, yeah. it was outstanding, you know. And yeah. brother Law, mine, he's, he's the down with a Buckley. He was bringing me to the games, you know. One week you go to the cross, and the next week you go to, you know, I was a Celtic supporter. So you go to Hibs, the final week, hoping they'd lose, like, you know. But, <laughs> but brilliant teams, like, yeah, you know. I, 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 I got a break yeah. because just around the corner, like, there was three, there was like, my the famous Maya Denny, he yeah. was around the corner. Jolly Finnegan was a brilliant player for the, you know. He played by Hibs and Jolly Miles, he's no a manager of mine. He played by Celtic, you know, he was involved with Celtic when they won the league in seventy four. Like I think he would cover the three of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like I could be going to school and Jolly Finnegan would be and he's called you he was a coal yeah. man and he'd be striking the ball up and down with his brother. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm looking at you know, you're looking yeah. at him it's, in front of maybe 20,000 down the floor ledge. The Dennehy's are a great uh, soccer family too, weren't they? Moya, yeah. didn't he get a hat-trick in a, a yeah, fake final? He was the first, time to get a, first man to get a hat-trick. I think his brother then got nine goals in an AOL game. That was another first. No, I, I, I think it, it, was, it, it was in Moya's, uh, it was uh, his uh, first cousins, the Dennehy's, they'd be more, uh, okay, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But they, they were steeped in football, all they all played. Yeah, I think yeah. Grattan, there was six or seven of them on the team, one day playing, you know, they yeah. were, but... All very good players, you yeah. know what I mean? But uh, my dad and my dad and my uncles would be big League of Ireland fans, but they tell me stories about Flower Lodge back yeah. in the day and thousands at it for five years. Oh, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Where's the, where was it? Perky Ring now? It's Perky Ring now. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. And like the crowds would be 20,000 like, a game. You know, the, the famous games, the playoff Waterford, yeah. the, actually, Great Cal Humphrey scored a goal for the, you know, Cockburn yeah. scored for Waterford that day. Hibs were two up. This, the story goes that they, they, they cock directors went out for champagne. There was only 10 minutes left. They were two up. <laughs> and he came back in and bought it after winning 3 2. You know, <laughs> Cal, Cal, you know, the great Cal Humphrey scored one of the goals for Waterford. But there was 25,000 people at it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, it was, you know. How did the GAA end up with Parky Ring then? Do you know the story? I, mean, I do. Like I do. But I, you know, I don't it's know. Political. It's, it's too political. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's a pity that it was ever lost to. Uh, that's yeah. another story, you know, James. And I another I podcast, you, maybe. You, you, don't, you don't want to be sold. <laughs> yeah, we'll move yeah. on swiftly. So, yeah. so um, yeah. after after school boys or your youth days, what happened after that? Where did you go? Um, you get back. You have to backtrack a bit because it is. Um, because at the end of the, uh, when I was 16 I went off to Bolton you know okay. which was real at the time for a fella to go to England you know yeah. and uh, I, I, I'm just lucky enough to go up but because I, I was never coached properly or, or you know I, I was never much older me well, area yeah. my friends and things like that and going to England is obviously a big huge step. But back then, we hadn't even a phone at home, you know, know, you know yeah. what I mean? It's not like yeah. now, like... You didn't have WhatsApp. So I, I, I might have yeah. been in the middle of Africa. Yeah. In, you know what I mean? Because there was no contact. I was 16, I was over the ground, and he was, he was over there, and he just swore. I, mm. I can't be doing this, like, you know? Yeah. So I lasted two weeks, and, and I came back, and I swore I'd never go back to England again. Mm. And I actually packed up football then, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In my head, I was gone. I, I was, I, no, I loved the game. I loved playing yeah. the game in local and things like that. But to be 
you know, as you, like we all did growing up, we wanted to be footballers. Mm. But I actually didn't want to be a footballer after that. Like you associated being good at football, we're going to England, and you didn't like the oh, idea. Well, that's what it was, you know. Yeah. You know, like everyone, everyone wanted to go and play in England, you know. Yeah. Sure, because, we had, you know, we had Garrod Marcy here a few weeks ago, and very similar experience with Dover at sixteen, and was just very homesick and fell out of love with the game, you know, and came home and. No, it's yeah, not, it's but, not but easy to, for to young be, lads. To like. be fair to Garrod, you know, to be fair, when he came back into the club, then you know, and he done well, he got to move back over. Yeah, that shows a lot. of mental strength over him, you know, that he, mm. he he done that, you know, and he, mm. at least he, he gave it a go, and he, it was brilliant, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, great respect for lads like that, you yeah. know. Uh, Brian Lenehan, you had Brian Lenehan, I, yeah, I watched yeah, the podcast. Yeah. And he opened up in the podcast, and and he he said uh, he was talking about the football career. You mentioned football, and he said, "Yeah, my failed uh, football career." And you know, I I, I was saying to myself, he achieved more than ninety nine percent of fellas. Jesus Christ, Almighty! How many fellas would love to be in a position? You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he was so unfair on himself. You know, great lad. I see him playing, outstanding lad. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and I I just felt sorry for him that he thought that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He, mm-hmm. you know, I hope, yeah, you know, right. I, hope, I, hope I, I hope, you know, wish him well in the rest of it. But like he was outstanding, you know nice. what I mean? It was fair from a, <laughs> yeah. he done that more than I ever did, I tell you, you and, know what and, I mean? And, and 99% of fellas, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, Cat country uh, yeah, and playing yeah, Premier League. You know, and I just, you know, I just, I, like he was, you know, being behashing himself, I thought, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, as, you know. Sounds like a really tough environment for, well, for an Irish lad to go over to England. Yeah, but it is like, you know, because, like I got the LA stuff and all that yeah. that was going at the time, you know, yeah, and both, imagine, and, you know, yeah. 16 years of age, oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that was part and parcel of, you know, trying to get, you know what I mean? It was dog eat dog. I didn't know that. I was a young fella. Mm. You know, the bank of fellas getting matched and things like that. Mm. You know, but you, like, as you get older, you'll have to live with these things. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm mm. saying? Like, it, it, it's helping a young lad never been older. You're a sensitive older. teenager, like. You see, you know what I mean? So, it's later on, didn't it? You, you know, you, you, you know, it's, yeah. teams like that happen in dressing rooms and things like that, you know. But it's, it's harsh on young lads, like, yeah. you, know? Mm. you know. And you know when you came home and you packed it in for a while? I, yeah, I, like, I did. I, 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 I didn't pack in football. Because I loved the game. Yeah. I loved the game. I, I played, uh, Shannonville broke up. Um, I had no job. Club called Central Rovers above in the... No, Central, yeah. Uh, Central. Uh, manager called Philly Singleton, and shop short and say Brooks and Hartons. And <laughs> half the team were working in Brooks and Hartons. <laughs> That's <laughs> how it works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, if you get your job, if you play, like, sure, you know what I mean? So, like, I'm sure I'd not club anywhere such, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I didn't care, you know what I mean? And I know some of the lads, like, so. And uh, we, we, like, again, very successful uh, junior, you know, we were only young, young lads, you know. And uh, and we, famously, I suppose, uh, well, we, we won the Irish Cup, which was big at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, we were kids, you know. That's like, the biggest trophy in junior soccer. It, it is, really. Back yeah. then, it was, it was, you know what I mean? And it we had, yes. and we had yeah. beaten, like, we were only a first division team, but we had beaten, I think, three Premier, you know, the yeah. top, and one of them was Temple, 
And it was the greatest kick we... Because they're right next to each other as well, you know, like. we drank in the same bell. Yeah, you know, I know, but yeah. yeah I you throw a stone from Central yeah. to Temple, like. Yeah, but, like, no, but Central didn't... Rovers didn't play up there at the oh, time. Was it, where we played in a place out beyond... A place called Grenade, up beyond oh, Blair. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where Central Rovers pitched at the time, was. Oh, OK, yeah. But we all drank in the same bell. Yeah. And they were the superstars, and we were the upstarts. <laughs> and we beat them one at the quarter final of Cup. But, like, I, I, I... Like... I remember, like, it's a great story because my own brother, he was hanging on when the, 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 the Temple Mentors, no one happened. It. And I remember Frankie Tharp, brilliant player. He clattered me anyway, you know, when he was open. <laughs> I mean, bro, get up, you clown. He was. <laughs> <laughs> he went to Temple to win, you know. <laughs> he was over there, like, you know. I, I tell you, know, do you oh, know, funny thing. God. Great, like, yeah. you know. <laughs> file out over there. But yeah. I just, you know, funny things like that. Yeah. Like, get up, you clown, he said. <laughs> right, fair enough. But we beat him anywhere. But, like, it all, we, we, we had very good players. It turned out to be, you know, that we had good players, you know what I mean? But yeah. at the time, we were only kids. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, that fizzled out then. And I cast him because I always did enough, you know, with cast because but one season, didn't I? Went League of Ireland, no man. So, um, what was it like moving from junior to... I did it all. <laughs> it was... Because I remember he came up to the door and I actually had a flow at the time. Seriously had a flow, yeah. like, you know. And he came to the door, Patsy. Actually, I didn't, it wasn't Cox City. It was a, 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 a thing called Newcastle West from Limerick. Mm. Up in... Right? The, yeah. the first division was just after it started off. So Noel, the famous Noel man, he played with Hibs. Yeah. And uh, he says... Um, he came to the door anyway, Patsy will go. And I had no, actually, I was laid off at the time. So I'd know, this is another thing. No, you'd never played League of Ireland if I had a job, right? That's <laughs> a fact. So he said, will you play? I said, no, I'm not fit at all. I don't care about that, he says. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And by Christ, did he not care? Run. But uh, up to Newcastle for one season. And uh, like that, no, so they, 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 like the step up was... But all it was was really the fitness. Yeah. Once I got fit, it was, you know. So Noel took over Cox City the following season and he, he brought me in, like, you know, and that's where the talk, you know, I think it was 86. They started off in 84, Cox City. So I think it was 85, 86 or something. Carfield, Carfield joined the same year, John Carfield. And, uh, yeah, after that, then it was... The rest of history is this, yeah? The rest is history, but... I missed school. Uh, I was in the Nagel at the time, so it was first year. Um, I missed school. I was, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, but I know I wasn't, I wasn't sick. There wasn't, you know, but I was just ended up missing the day of school. But mm. there was a match on anyway, and uh, I remember the teacher sent one of the boys down to the door to tell me to come up. He goes, look, we don't care about you missing the day. Just come up and fall in for the match. <laughs> I was like, I was there going, but I'm out of school. Like, I said, oh, so I ended up going up, play the match. Boys were all going back into school. I was going home because I was out, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that, like, like that kind of thing like so I suppose there was pressure like because like, I knew I knew why he was calling me up like you know so I was going up I knew I had yeah. to I had to play well or I had yeah. to you know whatever yeah. like so there was pressure yeah but um yeah I suppose naturally there was a kind of uh um I suppose there was a, there'd be a knowing like fellas would know like oh look you kind of have a feeling anyway you know you'd fellas be like complimenting yeah, yeah. and all the rest of it like so you kind of had a feel look I must be handy enough like you know and do you guess um are you a mark man 
when you're that, like when you're coming up, I was like that's Garo Marsh, you know, midfield. Let's say I know from when we yeah. were schoolboys, there was a fella for Everton, Colin Fielding. He was a striker, and uh, our, our manager used to say, "Whatever you fucking do, do not give him yeah. any space." Yeah. You know, like yeah. like when you're coming up against, like let's say I know I can imagine if you were playing against Timmy, <laughs> I said, "Garo, I give Garo Marsy, Garo Marsy." Yeah, you yeah. Know, your fellas are gonna be hard, Ryan. Oh, hundred percent. It was only ever though the north side clubs are like. Um, yeah, that was it. Do you know, like it was because Mahan and the North Side, like you had to be, yeah. you had to be hard. Yeah, there's always that rivalry. Right? Always, <laughs> like so, like it's yeah. like we. I remember we playing New Farm, and uh, I remember like so we were only twelves, I'd say, and I remember hearing the manager on the side. I was, I remember I was running down the wing, like, and I remember there was like two, two of the boys behind me kind of chased me. He was like roaring, crack him, crack him. I was there. That was my first time really going. Jeez, they're out. To, they're proper oh. out to get you. Like, me, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Don't give me the ball. Yeah, but like, I, I, I then I met fellas growing up, like, and playing the league of Ireland or whatever, and they'd tell me when they went to Mahin to play down in Mahin, they were like, got the same kind of. Tri- yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the way it was. Like, yeah, Mahin were known as a tough club yeah. to play against, and very hostile players yeah. to play as well. A tough club, like you, yeah. you were going down there, you were getting a game off of yeah. Mahin. You know, you weren't going down there for an easy game. Yeah. it was going to be tough. It was like what they'd call a derby in England, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was going to be a really physical game. Yeah, you know. So um, I think the obvious ring man kind of has. That's just it's in their makeup. They naturally the boys in the area like just yeah. kind of naturally yeah. have that. Yeah. Whereas no, like like when I was there, we whoever was available would manage the team. Do you know? Whereas no, everybody has badges yeah. and mm. they've so they had naturally have that. But they also have the the, the skill set no yeah. to actually. Coach and um, develop players. Even if it's even, I suppose, worst case scenario, they're developing they're developing players for Ringman's senior team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. And then best case, they're developing players to move on to England and yeah. Cork City. And, and you know, there's a lot of success success coming out there at the moment. There is, yeah, yeah. Players moving on, like yeah, there's a lot of it at the moment. And um, you know, people see it's uh, like years ago, no one would because it costs money to get these get your coaches through their badges and all the rest of it. Yeah. Whereas now they'd look at it as a bit of an investment. Like, like they're going, right, we get the, if we get, we're dev- going to develop the players, the players then eventually move on, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it goes full circle, you know, it, it, it pays dividends. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they end up, they end up getting compensation packages from the English clubs and, you yeah. know, all the rest of it. Like, I remember when we were playing uh, school boys with no firm, uh, around the team that was the best around at the time, I think it was Cove. Uh, Stephen Orland was playing for him at the time, yeah. and you could see he mm. was head and shoulders above yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Do you know, have you ever have you ever had that experience in school boys? Who was the best teams that you were coming up against, and who maybe the best players? Or did anybody really stand out? Yeah, um, yeah, there would have been a few. Yeah, do you know what? It was a weird one. I remember there was a fella there with um, Buttervint. It was, and it was random enough. Like you know, like, uh, but I was one of these fellas. I never ever stood back and assessed the situation or like. Stood back and like, oh, he's supposed to, he's supposed to be mm. this, and he's supposed to be a good player. He's, I never cared about any of that. Like mm-hmm. I suppose my dad always like whatever it was, it could be going out to school in the morning, like whatever. I should be going go and get stuck in. So like I always had that mentality, like of just just go and get stuck in. I saw yeah. and like he, my dad would always be saying when I as that high up, like whatever, like he's only two. Do you know, arms and legs the same as you, like mm-hmm. whatever whatever you're doing, like you know. Minute, so, yeah, the minute so, you give him credit, if for. Do you know, the minute you give them the awe, yeah. like you lose that you, kind of... You do, yeah, yeah. You, you, and like you almost, um, 
you put them on a bit of a pedestal or something. You, yeah, yeah. you, give, them an, exactly you, you give them an edge before you even get mm-hmm. into it with them. And then all of a sudden, you're in it with them and you're going, hang on a minute. Like, yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm holding my own here. Like, you know, there's nothing special, you know. So mm-hmm. I always had that. But I'm back to it. There was a fellow in Buttervent. actually don't know his name. We ended up at the end of, or oh, we the team holiday a couple of years ago. And I actually bumped into him out there. And like two of us were going out just chatting about it, like, and I was like, how random it was. Like, he was like, you don't even know me now, yeah? I was like, I actually wouldn't believe it, no, but I would actually know you and your brother. Like, I was like, two of yeast stuck out in my head through the whole school boys playing or whatever, like, you know? So, um, yeah, so that was a random enough one, like, but there was always players, you know, around, you hear the odd fella here, there, he's good, he's good, whatever, like, you know? And then you go on to tries with, for the Kennedy Cup team and all that, and you, you get an eye, an eye for a few fellas, you're saying, oh, like, he's with him, he's with them, he's with them, so, yeah. um, you know, you'd know, like. Do you know when you're at the, the Kennedy Cup, um, actually, for people that don't know, would you explain the Kennedy Cup? Yeah, well, yeah, so, like, it's just, it's, um, you know, it was the be-all and end-all. When we were growing up, like, I remember, like, I remember everybody saying to me, oh, Kennedy Cup year next year, no, Kennedy Cup year next year, and I was like, you know, so straight away, I was building up, like, I was going, fuck, Kennedy Cup must be, must be serious, mm-hmm. like, but, um, do you know, it's, huge tournament the best players you know generally like I know one or two might not get picked for whatever reason or they might slip mm. through the net like so generally the best players are there like I know one or two maybe you always think oh he should have been there he and probably should have too but players develop later yeah do you know I've, I've seen that tenfold I done a zoom call earlier today and I was I was telling him like he was like well, what would you say to young fellas like I was like just stick at it whatever it is I goes no matter what it is, I goes as long as you're, you know, as long as you're at it, you're sticking at it, stick with it. Because I know players who I would have never said they're going to earn a living out of this. Like I would have never said it, and like it could be whatever five, six years later, I see them, they're still at it, and they're on a living. They're actually, they're actually after becoming really good players. Whereas yeah. in me as a young fella, like I'd be like, oh no, I wouldn't. He's not. I wouldn't. He's not really good. Like you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, but the yeah. fact they've the resilience by and the perseverance just to keep going with it and yeah. keep at it. That's that's half it, like you know what I mean? And I think yeah. there's there's a certain uh, risk as well, you know, when young players get into the Kennedy Cup which is around fourteen, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fourteen now, it's thirteen. And even in, in this day and age now, they're playing League of Ireland on the thirteens and the fifteens, there's an element of I've made it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then for the young fellas that don't get picked for Cox City and Shamrock. Oh uh, yeah, I know. At that saying, age yeah. there's an element of Oh, I'm no good. I'm going to yeah. try something else, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more time to oh, develop. Oh, it's unbelievable. And for and I've seen it myself because I followed my nephews with playing with Cox City underage and Corinthians and Cove Ramblers and stuff like that. But I've seen fellas coming playing with them that were lesser players than them, but are probably doing better today. Yeah. And fellas that were better players than them, but are doing worse today. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's it's very hard to manage, isn't it? It is. If you look at look at Roy Keane, Roy Keane didn't go off thinking when he was eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. He just didn't give up, as you mm. said. Yeah. There, he probably wasn't picked for some stuff there, like Kennedy Cup teams back then or whatever it may yeah, have been. Hundred percent. But he kept going. He knew his dream was that he wanted to be a professional footballer. Yeah. Kept going, kept training, training after training. Do you know all 100%. these different things? Yeah. And he kept, he went on to be probably he's, one of the best players that we ever produced. He's in this probably country. the that's the prime example of it. Like you know? isn't it? Like yeah. it's just fella just sticking at it. And like you talked to more, I know Roy was brilliant. Like in the you know the Premier League and that when you're watching him, but like you talked to a lot of fellas and they'd be saying, oh sure, and even like probably not, his brother was supposed to be better. All these yeah, kind of things, yeah, you know. Yeah, like so, stories, it yeah. wasn't not he wasn't unbelievable. Mm. Like. But yeah. he just he just perfected it like he stuck yeah. at it and he just um like you said but he just kept going and got I, there like I personally loved his determination you know yeah yeah just and his energy around the team as yeah. a leader yeah. because I would have visualized myself as being something similar no not as good as a player but a, a leader you had that just, mindset like I just loved 
you know, to for the team to win. Yeah. Do you know, just to, the passion of it yeah, about the yeah. football. It wasn't about anything else. It was about just winning and and and, and you know, just being there for the, the the rest of the players and pushing them on and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. instead of throwing them, oh, not all the time, but throwing them a few fucks here and there because yeah, they're yeah. giving them a bit of confidence. Yeah. You know, it's very important for even the the, the coaches coaching young players today. Watch what they're saying to the players on the fields. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if they start shouting and effing and roaring at them, the confidence is just gone. Yeah. It's gone. And I know this now from my own experience, but if they say, listen, moreover, give them a chance. Yeah. Listen, you're doing well. Listen, yeah. just get it up, step it up a little bit yeah. more. Just put a little bit more energy. If you're not able today, just let me know. We'll put on somebody yeah. else, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Things like that. Instead of, what the... Yeah. Do you know all this kind of shit? It really that's, destroys that's, players. That's something I noticed out in Corinthians when my nephews, my nephews are from Halley Hill, but they played schoolboys with Corinthians, which is in Douglas, obviously. But something I noticed straight away when they went out there was there's no screaming at the children. And it was all mm. encouragement and yeah. play out from the back. And if you make a mistake, that's okay. You know, that type of thing, mm. like what Timmy is saying. So, it's old, that's an old school thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Just roaring at them. And, yeah. Do you know yeah. what? Like, I can't focus in with the hairdryer treatment type thing like that's different like fellas <laughs> then on the line down the school white team took that as the way to I do know. it like, but with children he's, <laughs> he's, he's dealing with grown Grown fully man, developed men yeah. and they're you know they're professional and you know and they're on a hundred thousand a week yeah. uh yeah do you know <laughs> like the, so like the, yeah. but um yeah that's i i totally agree with that mm. i think um you know you're it's like you've you've a, a huge um responsibility when you're coaching like you know and you're you're not just developing the the player like it's people you're developing like so mm. you have them for so many hours a week whatever you if you're there if you're the manager you've them for so many hours like the good you can do, mm. you can impact their lives for that, that few hours a week, you know what yeah. I mean? And you can help bring them on level, like, and just, just in terms of people, you know mm. what I mean? And then the football, if you're developing players too, sure, like, that's great then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever read the book The Secret? Yeah. yeah. It's not about the universe, like, and they're swearing and they'll, people the willing you to win, like, do you yeah. know? Yeah. The law and of attraction, they, yeah. I feel like that as well. I think there's a lot of uh, love and support for me, and I, t- yeah. I genuinely feel that, and I believe it, and I, I think it's going to help me to uh, achieve my goal, like. Do yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of, uh, more so than, than for myself, really, uh, what, I, what I kind of dream about really is, um, my kids like I like my mm. kids to be able to say like you know I always thought that that's always something that really truly inspired me it was like the, you know I, as I, say, I used to get the bus up and down Dublin for years and yeah. the trains and whatnot and I used to meet loads of women on the train to be chatting to them or whatever like you know and they'd all be saying like you know I was kind of coming around to say well, my dad was a um, shoemaker my dad used to be a podcast fellow yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and what I'd like for my kids when they're on the train journey or on the bus like in years to come say well my dad was champion of the world like you know yeah, so yeah. It's something nice I'd love from be able to say, like, yeah. you know. That's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And listen, looking at you, you look so young. I know, yeah. <laughs> you look so young, yeah. like, for what? What are you? I'm 36. 36, I like. To be sponsorship, be free, and there's no specs ever. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. show, show the show the this podcast. podcast is brought to you by specs <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. Somebody asked me there during the week, um, uh, I won't mention who doesn't guess, they don't want me to. This is... What do you put on your face? 
I says, uh, I could put on a day and night cream from the body shop, you know. <laughs> if we were home, my wife was uh, next to me when when I was been asked the question on social media, and I just, like, I'm the kind of fellow I'd say, oh, yeah, just, the two of us were sitting in the kitchen in stitches, you know what I mean? <laughs> just because somebody noticed the glow on my face yeah. because yeah, of yeah. cream, you know. But it's been nice now for the body shop to give it know, this yeah. damn <laughs> for nothing, but... but you look healthy, like, for yeah. about yeah. 60 years of age, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, do you know what? I feel, I feel probably better now, and I'm 40, than I possibly ever did in my life. Mm. Um, because, number one, I, I, I would have never known how I felt because I had no awareness about life but you know being away from all these chemicals and alcohol and even my mental health mm -hmm. and, and i'm not as stressed as i would have been before constantly in the fight or flight mode i just feel nice and relaxed yeah. and calm you know and i still have to deal with my daily kind of bits and pieces you know some stuff comes up for me and i still have to deal with it and but you know what in general i really really have a, a have a, a good life and it's not because I have loads of money or anything like that it's because I really feel good in myself you know and I get a lot of gratitude for things I'm at the moment now I'm just starting my own business I was at one stage and I wasn't I was going to the construction firm now I'm back doing it again you know and people have been very very good to me of late you know and helping me out you know there's like James there from McCarthy Insurance, like he helped me out with a uh, construction insurance code and he McCarthy Insurance looked after me. And just other people like have just phoned me up and saying to me, like, we've we've a job here, you might be interested in doing that, you know, and I want to start employing people like ourselves, like me and James are coming from It's uh, the law of attraction, no what yeah. Spike was on about, like because you're yeah. so well in yourself, you're attracting all mm. the people want to help you because they say, No way, Timmy's doing something yeah. good there for the community. Timmy's a good guy, we're gonna help him yeah. out. Spike comes across really well. He's a family man, he engages with his fans, he's grounded. Yeah. I wish him the best of luck, you know. It's like people yeah. don't like fucking arrogant people. No. Or, no, you know, no. That's what it's about. It's just about yeah. Spike is just about listening for years. We were fucking a nuisance to our community. We were causing trouble or yeah. criminality or getting stoned around the place. But no, we're trying to do what we can for, for anybody that needs it and asks for a bit of help in any yeah. way we can, you know. Of course, yeah. yeah you're looking very well as well, like, you know, I must That's say that now, bad. you know. Mm. Me a small bit better. That's for me, <laughs> yeah. I'm actually back lifting weights for yeah. the last few weeks. So I'm trying to plan. Yeah, you look, you look strong. You still lose yeah. the belly. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually so hard to lose the belly. It like is, yeah. it's fucking stubborn. No, if you're but not you like know, dedicated, dedicated, I find this around my like, trunk. It's, do you know the key is right when you are like that? You're you're on the the healthy living buzz and whatever. Mm. And I say, why isn't the belly? When you start thinking like that. Just ignore it. Keep going. Shortly after that, the belly starts to I shrink. Know, do you know when I get near the goal, I abandon it. Yeah. <laughs> but the key is to keep going. This yeah. it, do you know, it's a pattern that yeah. you probably have I'll in your life. I'll just make the a slip doesn't have to be a catastrophic slip. It can be a day and then get back on the saddle. Exactly. What way is your diet? Yeah, fairly good there. I'm actually with a crow called Jim Trishan there in Dublin. They give me all my meals, like, but um, they have them for last good few fights you know top notch food like very yeah. very good like you know so that helps a lot you know when you're <coughs> doing a lot of training uh are you consuming a lot of calories 
Um, I kind of had to cut down, like, to be honest, because it's making weight, like. Yeah, actually, know, yeah. It's, it's, uh, is that a hard aspect <coughs> to your career? It is, it is, yeah. yeah. You, you cook your own food now, Spike, don't you? I do all the time, yeah. My mum yeah. was cooking, I was cooking down all the God, lovely steak and mm. onions and mushrooms. <laughs> and That's the job. You know, treating myself with no cheap meal, kind of, from there. Yeah. Jim Trisha, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, uh, what I'm going to I, I, I'd ham. Yeah, I, I was off meat for about three years. Why, yeah? And I'm only recently on it for the last four weeks, I'd say, James and mm. And my wife made a boiled dinner today. Nice. Cabbage and ah, turnip for anyone that's listening abroad. Remember the old turnip and cabbage oh, yeah. and ah, lovely and the ham. It's right. Yeah, ah, hard to beat. You can't. I missed all that. Yeah, you would. But it's since I started eating meat again, I'm after losing the weight. Yeah, interesting. Because there's more protein. You see, I was yeah, eating less carbs. carbs. Yeah, yeah, less carbs. I was eating all these vegetarian foods, vegetarian sausages, burgers, and different things like that. Mm. There was a lot of carbs in them, but I was eating them because I thought, I should I not eat this? No, I'll eat this. But there was no protein, and I'm just a load of carbs. Yeah. But now I'm back and eating meat. Um, but I'm not overdoing it either, you know? I'm yeah. still eating very, very healthy. <coughs> and I'm doing a bit of exercise. Yeah, you look at it. Look at it. Yeah, so overall healthy today. Yeah. But uh, just to bring it back to your boxing, can I ask you about your power? You've probably the hardest punch I've seen. You know, it's... Like, are you completely confident that you not know, going in against? I, I suppose if I had that right hand, I'd be very confident that no matter who I'm fighting, I can end the fight at any moment. Do you always? T- yeah, I, I guess I can. Yeah, I can do actually. In fact, I'm right handed, but I've ended more fights with my left hand. I punch a boat very hard, mm. a very hard punch, right? Like, which is just a very good thing. And my coach always said to me, like, you could be 11 rounds down. You could last be appointed for the eleven rounds, but you might not come out in twelve. Mm. With the kind of power you have, you always have a chance. And is that a natural power I think I was, you have? I was born with it, but obviously I developed it, and I, I've trained hard all my life and eaten fairly well. Like mm. I, I suppose, like that enhances the power. Like yeah. you improve you, you, it as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah improve technique mm. as well, and practice over the years. And actually, I think the whole uh, of twenty twenty, like I was, I got a punch bag. It took a couple of months for it to arrive. Actually, with the whole bloody mm, COVID situation mm. but uh, I had no punch bag for a while but maybe that was a blessing in disguise too uh, yeah. I had two bursts of air drums actually in my last fight so it took me a while to recover from that and I don't know I enjoyed the break mm. you know it was great I tell you, 2020 was probably the best year of my life even though I'd only do one fight like I loved it like I never got to spend so much time on my life with my, my kids like jeez my, my mm. miss now works four days a week in the chemist like mm. when, uh, so, but I was at home every day with the kids like I loved it yeah that's brilliant but it, like I was there uh, yeah. You get to know him too, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, you I would, you would. would. I'd be very close to him, like. But yeah. you know, just whole time we were baking and we had lots of fun, like. Yeah. You know, that sounds beautiful. And you know what? I've no kids, right? But I two dogs, and two if, dogs. If, if we went back to normal in the morning, my dogs wouldn't know what to do, like, because they're so used to us being at home, you know. Yeah. yeah. And from to go back out the back <coughs> nine to five, like Jesus yeah. Christ, but. Uh, yeah. There's good, there's good aspects to being at home, and there's positive aspects to the lockdown. But then the negative, obviously, is the gyms, especially you know, mm. not having that outlet. But you do because you're I an elite gym, athlete. Yeah, yeah, an elite athlete. So That's I have to go to the, I can go to Dublin, like train my boxing gym, like on and Pascal's you know, gym. When you're training for a fight, do you stay in Dublin too. I do, yeah. Up in Pascal's gaff. No, no, I stay in a hotel. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah, there's some hotels open for for business. Oh, like there's that, loads of them. Yeah. I actually. Yeah. 
I stayed in City West there for bloody about eight, nine years. I'm friends with a lot of staff there, like, but they're actually uh, closed now, no, kind of, as such, because the COVID, the government took them over for the COVID. So I'm staying out in uh, the Carlton Hotel there now in Lanchestown. It's great. They're very nice there as well, and they're they're leaving me open. open. They open the gym privately for me, mm-hmm. the whole gym, so the whole gym to myself. And That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 for the general public, it's not open or whatever, yeah. but... Um, they gave me they said mm. I could because of the fight like that's the job up, yes, yeah. I need to train yeah. two or three times mm-hmm. a day like you know in a, <clears throat> if you were a magic wand and you had three fights left you had three fights left who would your three opponents be jeez well whoever's world champion at late middleweight anyway uh, mm-hmm. I'd like a rematch with Lemieux as well before I retire I believe that I'd beat him you know um, I, I believe that if yeah. I'm not gonna go so far as say it was a fluke punch, like kinda of was, but like he's been throwing those great punches for years and I mean he threw it, he landed it, he kinda of wasn't even looking. Actually if you see the f- if you see the shot, like he was kinda of looking this way and I, I hit him and but uh, I'd like to fight him again, I think uh, I'd beat him like for example, uh, McGregor's last fight he fought uh, that guy Poirier, yeah, right. you know, he beat him convincingly in the first fight pretty quickly. You know, but he got beaten in the rematch, and I believe it would be the same between me and Lemieux. And mm. I was actually thinking about that whole scenario whilst um, Parrier was preparing for the McGregor fight. I was thinking, like, what's in his head now? Like, you know, mm. how was he feeling about it? Over what happened in the first fight? And I thought to myself, like, I'd be delighted to fight Lemieux again. I'd, um, I'd have no question, no qualms yeah. over it. Like, I believe I'd beat him. Yeah. You know, I think I'd actually just try him. Yeah. Uh, I think you would too. Yeah, What's the possibility of a fight like that? Um, well, I'm going to concentrate first. Like, I want to become, first and foremost, I want to become world champion. So my weight division now is like middleweight. Like Lemieux has gone up to super middleweight. He struggles to even make that. But I'd, okay. I'd, 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 I'd go up the weights, but like <clears throat> to meet him again. Um, yeah. Just lift a bit more weights and just mm. be that weight. Like rather than the time I fought him, I had the longest training camp in my career, about 13 weeks. And um, I was, I was walking around on weight at middleweight, but I'm too small for middleweight anyway, really. Mm. But I don't have too much cardio, and I was bang on middleweight, like, so I was walking around literally. I, when I weighed in, I actually getting into the ring that night, I was 161 pounds, which is only a pound over the weight division, like, most, so Lemieux was 179 pounds, 18 pounds heavier than me in the mm. night, like. You're at a disadvantage straight away when you're going up a weight. Yeah, so Roy Jones is doing the commentary on the fight. He said, it's a cruiserweight against a middleweight, like, mm. he was like three weight divisions above me, like, in the ring. Yeah. You know, uh, who's the elite uh, at your weight class at the moment? Um, one of the Charlo brothers or twins there from New York. I think that I heard he's going moving up to middleweight soon. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, yeah, that's that's who you'd have your eye on. Would you have to have? Uh, do you need to pick up one or two wins in the meantime to put yourself back in contention? I do, yeah, and I will. Yeah. When's the, have you anything lined up? Yeah, end of April. I think I'm gonna have a fight in soon. You know, that's yeah. what. We're kind of talking about it at the moment. You know, I'm going, going to Belgium there for the twenty on the twentieth of March, and I think I'm going to return there to the same place and fight myself uh, at the end of April, as far as I know. Like, yeah. but it hasn't been announced yet, and uh, I think that's where my coach is negotiating at the moment. Like. Does they don't give you much time between announcing it and the fight actually happening? Yeah, but I, I've been in training camp there the last three weeks. Yeah. I, I'm 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 helping uh, Craig O'Brien. I'm sparing with Craig. He's fighting on the twentieth of March, so I'm 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 sparing him for his preparation and. When he's finished his fight, providing all goes well for him, um, he's going to come back and mm. help me. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.